0: With Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Ball loose. Give me one. For three, give me it. one Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte. He knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Pooch with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go go. Good job. Oh, what a move by
1: Heald, he lays it in. Healed. hotter than fish grease.
2: Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster.
1: Jackson the
2: catch, Jackson the basket. Washington again,
0: five of them. Pacers got the steal, outrunning is Brissett. pounced it all. It's it to Taylor, Taylor missed it, tips it in. Warren lets it fly, yes, T.J. Warren! Halliburton going
1: to slam it at the other end. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And the man that you guys have missed as he's been absent for, uh, I think, two and a half weeks almost, Michael J. Focci is back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for Michael J. Focci, everybody. Focci,
2: congratulations, man. How's the married life? Woo! Ah, man, I'm back. And, uh, hey, marriage (laughs) life, it's treating me good, but at the same point, Man, I miss talking Pacer basketball and the outcome of what's been on the court. <laughs> I mean, that I haven't missed. We asked for a tank. We're getting a tank, but I miss talking about the team, interacting with you guys, man. It feels good to be back.
1: Man, from zip lining in Hawaii to, to Disney in California, I was a little bit jealous Fachi because here I am looking on my phone and seeing you out here in these tropical places, having a great time while I'm stuck in Indiana where the weather can't make up its mind and watching pretty pathetic basketball from these indiana pacers so uh anything else stand out to you from your trip though besides uh, the couple highlights
2: that i got to see on social media no i mean look yeah we, we i did an amazing snorkeling trip where i got to you know snorkel with like some fish i've never even knew existed i mean the water was so clear you can only get there by boat which is probably why the reason you know the water's clear because Unfortunately, humans couldn't ruin that, couldn't pollute that. So it was unbelievable to be swimming amongst like fish that you could only dream of, Uh, you know, interacting with crazy turtles and just all this stuff that was in the Hawaiian water. Uh, If you can ever have an opportunity to go to Hawaii, I highly recommend it for everybody. It was a trip of a lifetime, You know, perfect spot for a honeymoon. But if you could ever make it over there, uh, definitely it's worth it. And one of the good perks over there, if you're a sports fan, since there's six hours behind us, all these NBA games were starting at, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, that, that was uh, really fun, and just it was good to have some entertainment early on. Absolutely, then be able to enjoy the evening
1: without having to worry about watching basketball. So mm-hmm. that is definitely a plus. So, Fauci, let's get right into it today. Uh, we've got a mailbag podcast. We've got uh, a lot of questions, so we're going to make it a two-part episode once again. But before we get into that, we have some news to share, and that is not only is T.J. Warren done for the year, which would happen, have uh, been announced last week. Miles Turner done for the remainder of the season. I know there had been some hopes that Turner would return this year just so we get a chance to see him playing with Tyrese Halliburton. But as this team is heading into a complete and total tank for the rest of the uh, regular season, we will not see Miles Turner back this year. Focci, what are your thoughts?
2: It was a move that had to happen. Like, look, I wanted to see, I mean, for, for weeks, I was saying, man, I want to see. Uh, Miles Turner play with you know, Isaiah Jackson alongside that. Then it was like I definitely want to see him play with Halliburton and Buddy and see see if, if we can have like the real you know mix of these players of what the true core could be. Also, I wanted to see Miles as just the featured center. It's something that we talked about for for years, and people have always speculated with almost like a conspiracy theory is, hey, could this guy be you know dominant as only center or whatever it was? We didn't get to see it this year, and it's an unfortunate. But when we're when we're asking for a tank, something like this had to happen. So to shut down Turner, it's a move that you know I'm sure he would love to play out there. I'm sure he's probably itching to get back, but it's more important to get him healthy. He's going into a contract year, so I'm sure it was a, a mutual agreement over there. Of, a, we don't want to worsen your your injury or anything as you're going into you know the biggest year of your career. But also for the Pacers, they're competing for you know as high of a draft pick as you could possibly get. And bringing back Miles Turner probably is going to bring more wins. But also at this point, hey, let the youth develop. So for Turner, it's really unfortunate because now this is the last two seasons. He's missed essentially the last two months of the year. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's really been unfortunate, but he's got to get healthy.
1: Well, let me ask you this because I had some friends, you know, kind of pose this question to me or or pose this thought. You know, basically Turner could come back if he was healthy. Do you think – or Turner would come back – um they think he's healthy enough to come back if the season mattered I should say but they don't feel like the season matters so he is healthy but he's just not returning because the season doesn't really matter at this point I guess maybe because of the way uh, Woj worded it that would kind of imply that that could have been the case but do you think that Turner is actually
2: 100% healthy and ready to come back you know maybe we can't say he's 100% but do I think that Miles Turner could be like 90-ish percent I do yeah. I do. I think that in a, in a lost season, why would you risk it? Throw him back out there, and then maybe if something happens, all of a sudden we got another T.J. Warren situation on our hand. I mean, remember the term stress reaction over there. So it's not like a fracture or anything like that, but it could definitely worsen. Um, and at this point, I, I think that it just makes sense to shelf Turner in a lost season. But I do think if the Pacers were heading towards the playoffs, in my gut, and like I said many times in the show, I'm no doctor. But I do feel like we would be able to put him out there.
1: Well, Dr. Fauci is back, Never that. ladies and gentlemen. Never that. <laughs> but no, I will say this. I mean, whether he would come back or not, I just keep going back to what Jay Michael said, and I'm sure you remember this. After, I very much do. After the Halliburton trade, we had Jay On to talk about Turner, and he said, Turner was like, no, nah, I'm not playing. I'm not 100%. And they're like, what? And he was like, yeah. He's like, unless I'm 100%, I'm not going to play. And so that's me kind of like has always stuck in the back of my mind. And he mentioned Brogdon was the same way. So, you know, I mean, there's a possibility that these two guys really just don't play unless are 100% healthy, especially at this point. But I think the biggest thing is they're trying to tank. You're going into a contract. You're with miles. Like you said, he wants an extension. The Pacers have not really said one way or the other, if he's here long-term or not. So it's all just kind of up in the air, but Fachi. um, you know, this just gives more minutes for Goga, for Terry Taylor, Isaiah Jackson, and, and of course, Jalen Smith at the five as we kind of wrap
2: this season up. So um, any final thoughts on this before we get into our mailbag? No, I would just say for Turner, it's a shame. It really is because, man, I I've, I dove into some of the numbers and he's only played over 65 games in two of the seven seasons in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, guys don't play 82 games anymore. That That's long gone. But we've started to then be like, okay, like, well, what about 70? Could you play 70 games or 72 games, anything like that? And the last couple of seasons, uh, Turner's actually played 80 – I want to say it's 89 games in the last two years. So essentially that's almost like missing a full season.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I did the math on it and I talked about it a little bit while you were gone. I think it's close to 42% over the last two seasons <laughs> how many games that he'll have missed total. And, you know, I I got some pushback on that, just saying, well, you really can't count this year all the way because who knows if he would have come back earlier. So, I mean, I get that, but still missing even 35% is a big deal to me. And it's just, you know, I I don't see a guy underneath him right now that can come in and fill his role significantly. Like, I think we've seen flashes from Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson and Goga. Mm -hmm. But as a consistent backup, I don't think we're there yet with our no. group of guys. I mean, I, I think obviously you got to give Isaiah Jackson time to develop. Same with Jalen Smith, same with Goga. But right now, I just, you know, Goga's gonna be in his fourth year next year. I'm just he might be able to play well a couple of games here and there, but I don't feel like he's definitely at the same level as Miles. So I think this Pacers team, if they're gonna keep Miles, they really need to make sure that he's healthy and they really need to find a way to utilize him the best of his abilities so he doesn't get hurt. I think, unfortunately, he's had a lot of foot injuries over the last three years, ankle injury, toe, and now he's got the stress reaction. So it's just one of those things. You got to monitor, you got to pay close attention, and you got to decide, is he worth the money? Is extending him worth it? Are these injuries a concern or not? And you could scratch it off as just freak stuff happened, or you could say, we've already dealt with stress reactions with TJ Warren and led to stress fractures. We don't want to go down this path with Miles. Let's move him in the offseason. I think you can play both sides of it, but personally for me, I think the best case scenario for this Pacers team right now is to bring him back.
2: For right now, yes, it definitely is. I mean, you would have to see what what type of offers are out there in the offseason. It's a totally different beast. You know, we'll wait and see there. But for right now, just like you mentioned, there is not someone behind him that is by any means a guarantee, especially when J. Jay- Smith, who we don't even know if he's coming back, he might have played him, himself out of a contract the Pacers can offer him. So at that point, Isaiah Jackson, as a shot blocker, yes, he's shown a lot of potential. From a, a shooting standpoint, not there yet. So it just feels like, just like you mentioned, we don't have the backups behind him to go into next season comfortably with a different center. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break, Fachi.
1: and then when we come back, we will jump right into our mailbag questions.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, everybody, we are back to answer your questions here for the Mailbag Podcast. And you know what, Fachi? I can't believe we didn't start the show off this way, but this is episode 400 for us.
2: Wow. I mean, I guess we got all caught up in, you know, me coming back, the Turner News, but episode 400, that is a milestone. I remember when episode 100 happened for us. I thought it was the biggest deal. If you asked me then, are you going to make it to 400? I would have said, ah, that sounds like a lot. But here we are today.
1: Yeah, well... Who knows? It's going to be weird when we get to a 1,000. I mean, we're a couple years away from that for sure. But um, anyway, let's get right into it. There are some questions about the 400 episodes, and so we will answer those then. But let's start here with Josh Lovell. He said, do you think Buddy Heal can fit into a smaller role for the Pacers next year and still be happy? Or is it going to cause the same problems he did in Sacramento if he isn't as involved in the offense or doesn't start or doesn't get to play 35 minutes a game?
2: I do think Buddy can fit into a smaller role because he's going to have to. He's not, he's never going to be, you know, the number two guy on a team that's successful or anything like that. He's very talented. Sometimes could be his second overall in threes made in the league he came off the bench before but he did that in Sacramento so I I, that losing I think it could eat you up real quick if Buddy's playing on a winning team I do think that he can accept a lesser role he's improved as a playmaker lately has not been great but I also feel like that 35 minutes can creep down to like 30 minutes and we very much need shooters
1: yeah I mean even if it gets down to like 28 27 somewhere around there I mean I personally think, and I don't know if you were able to hear this or not because you were on your honeymoon, but Buddy Healed after the Pacers lost to the Kings, obviously yep. he had the two turnovers, he talked about this team and what he likes about the Pacers more than the Kings, and what he basically said is, look, I'm given a role here that I'm not just sitting in the corner waiting for the ball to come to me to shoot threes, I'm able to move with the basketball in my hands, I'm able to run some offense, I'm able to you know, be more of a playmaker. And we've seen that from him. We've seen a number of, of games where his assists have been higher than what we even anticipated him being. And there's games where he's streaky. That's just kind of who he is as a shooter. But I feel like offensively, he can be that six man type of player for this team. I would love to see him in that role, embracing that role and kind of leading the second unit. Because like, if you have a score like that with some other guys around him, like that could be really fun. But at the same time, I don't want him to get tunnel vision and, and be with lesser talent around him, which would make him become someone that tries to play too much hero ball right so I think there's got to be a good balance there but if he's utilized a certain way I think that'll help him and honestly like it wouldn't kill me if he started next year just depending on who they get and who they draft but if he started next year and still only play like 28 minutes I'm fine with that as long as you're not prioritizing his minutes over a young player like Chris Duarte
2: Absolutely. Like that that's the thing. It hurt me to see Duarte go back to the bench when he had been a starter and it felt like a step backwards. But for buddy, just like you mentioned, I think we truly can get those minutes from 35 to 28 to 30. And if it's a winning team, he's going to be happy. This guy has experienced a lot of losing in the NBA. And I feel like he'll buy into a winning culture. He already seems significantly happier in Indiana than he was in Sacramento. And you know, just like you mentioned, he's going to have those. Those mistakes from time to time, he'll try and do too much. So, with a little bit of a lesser role, I, I think it, it'll fit him better. I'm just not sure next year we're going to be a great team, Fachi. So, not great, but a, a competing for a play in, playoff spot. The Pacers, I do not think, are going to have another we're tanking type of year two years in a row. Well, I would hope not, but I'm so I, do I, but.
1: Never say never. I mean, I don't think it actually is a bad idea. I mean, this is probably not part of our question here, but. I don't think it's the worst idea for this team to get another draft pick high in the 2023 draft. But at the same time, I don't think the organization wants that. I mean, I think best-case scenario, we're competing for a play-in game. It's just looking at this roster, I don't see a ton of talent on it right now, Fachi. So, <laughs> well,
2: so you don't want to look at the live roster, like the players that are playing. No, I'm, really just being, saying, I'm just saying I'm just saying guys Lord. that are out too. I, just,
1: I know. I don't look. trust this roster
2: to be much more than a play-in team. Either do I because it's funny because we'll get to some questions later that have some much bigger expectations of when can we get to this next step. But uh playing game, that's probably where I see this team next year. Like we're not going to just flip a switch, but we have the right kind of pieces in place in terms of like cap space, draft picks, young players. Like it, the team can grow. We're, we're far away from truly competing. But when you mentioned, hey, it wouldn't be the worst thing to – tank could be bad, Alex, it would be the best thing. It would, it would just, it'd be hard to watch for a year, but getting another top draft pick in what could end up being, I mean, I don't know. we got to wait and see how next year's draft is, but if the Pacers were picking top five again, it would probably end up being one of the best things that could have happened in back-to-back years.
1: Hey, never say never, Fachi. I mean, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but looking at the top 10 teams in the East, I don't see the Pacers really even close on paper. reaching that level of talent and i think new york's like 11 now and washington's 12 or vice versa it's just like looking at the looking at the charlotte team looking at the nets looking at the hawks looking at even a team like uh toronto like all these teams cleveland they've got young players on their team they're only going to get better so we are kind of stuck in a weird spot unless we make some drastic changes but I, i i think maybe just one more year of sucking would make more sense but Uh, Anyway, that's enough of that question. Let's move on to our next one, Fletch.
2: All right. Next question in front of the show. Matt Peck, out of the 400 episodes, in regards to the Pacers, players, or team, what have you both agreed the most on and disagreed the most on? Man, this is tough. I don't
1: really know if anything comes to mind for what we've disagreed the most on. Um, I would say that we both were very much agreeing on that Sabonis. That is
2: exactly what I had. Exactly <laughs> Was the the least likely to get traded? <laughs> well, I would just say we were both in agreement of, hey, when it comes down to the centers, we're both Team Sabonis over Team Turner. And look, I mean, everything else I think could kind of back that up. But I'd say that was our agreement. Disagreement, I don't think there was any real strong, like, hey, I got my line in the sand. Like I am, this is my mentality and that's yours.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like I, I should have done more preparation for this, but I really cannot think of anything where we've like strongly, strongly disagreed. Like I know we've disagreed sometimes. Yeah, of course. But nothing like where we're like unwilling to like yeah. part uh, part ways with our take. Because we're always pretty fair, I think. Or we try to see the other side. Um, I guess for me on this one, maybe... The thing we disagreed on the most was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm really I'm really trying to think here. If anything comes to mind, nothing is really coming to mind. Does anything come to mind the, for
2: you? No, n- nothing. Nothing the really come- I knew you were going to say that. There was this two week span where I backed Goga up and he's actually played pretty solid lately. I know the outcome, you know, the wins and and who we have available dictates that, but at the same point, that's the only thing I could think of that you were always like, he stinks. You can't convince me. Uh, So like, that was the only thing that that possibly even came up.
1: Yeah. Man, that's a good question, man. I want to come back to that. I always say this every mailbag when there's a question I'm not, for sure on an answer, but I got to think of something because, um, you know, it's just, it's very fascinating. I, maybe, it, maybe it was like what we thought a player would get, what we could get back for a player or something like that in maybe. terms of like trade value. But well, I, One
2: thing one thing I thought was I thought the three years on Brogdon's deal, could it could hurt? Oh, that's a help. big one. Yeah. And you definitely thought it would help more. I thought like the 67 million he's owed and injury history and all that, like it could be like a little too much for someone to take on. You felt the opposite. That's the only thing I can really think of. And
1: that's probably our biggest disagreement from this year, I would say. Um, yeah. I actually asked Michael Scotto about that. I don't know if you heard that episode or not, but um, <laughs> he agreed with me that it wasn't going to hurt his trade value. So, yeah. but I mean, if you ask somebody else, they could say it would. So, you know, it's all like he says on the beauty. Uh, I, the, <laughs> you love the, that quote by him. I, I do because he said it like 15 times. And so yeah. it kind of just like got... Integrated in my head, but what what is the actual quote? "Beauty is in the eye of the Beauty? beholder." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to Sh- uh, Shalamar the God. He said Ricky Rubio had an outsized impact on his last two teams. What is the base? Ca- uh, what is the best case scenario for him with the Pacers?
2: Best case scenario is probably that his uh, salary cap number clears, and <laughs> he ain't coming. He ain't coming back to Indiana. <laughs> Look, I mean, the Pacers have too many point guards to begin with. You got Tyrese, you got Brogdon, you got McConnell. I, do I just give Kiefer Sykes a, a, a you know an honorable mention of just mentioning his name? Because look, it, here's the thing: we got to clean up that point guard rotation over there, which means that Brogdon or McConnell, I I think need to need to go in the off season. So I don't see a scenario where Rubio, at at his age, where he's looking to contend and coming off of a torn ACL, is coming to the Pacers. He's talented, but he's not getting younger. I think he signs elsewhere. Well, yeah, I mean it's going to be really. I don't even know if he
1: signs anywhere right away. Um, it's going to be difficult because he won't be able to play for a while. So
2: yeah.
1: I don't even know if he'll be ready to go at the beginning of the season. That's I don't think so. Probably next time. Maybe like December
2: return yeah, or something.
1: Maybe maybe even January. So if a team really wants him, like, you know, they'll probably pick him up on a, like a prove-it deal, kind of like we've talked about with T.J. Warren a little bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think best-case scenario is you find a team that will take him on in a sign-in trade. You know, get something back, maybe you get a trade exception, maybe get a second round pick like anything, any kind of asset you can get for him. But, you know, salary cap space ain't bad either, Fudge. So, yeah, uh, just depending on what they want to do with it. So, I mean, that's the route I would lean salary cap. But sign and trade It's just if he was healthy by the start of October, sure. But like with the uncertainty of knowing when he's going to be healthy, I think that is the biggest factor in that. So I don't think there's anything else to add to that.
2: No, no, I don't think so. So next question, we have Jeff, Jeff Dunham. He said, will we see Brogdon play again this season, or has he become the Pacers' Ben Simmons? <laughs> if all those post-game compl- compliments Coach Carlisle was giving him a few weeks ago were intended to raise his trade value, his prolonged abs- absence from games lately would seem to do the opposite. Mm, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that, to be honest with you, Jeff.
1: I appreciate you listening to the show and sending in questions, but I don't agree with the last part here. I don't think that him not playing is going to hurt anything. I think, honestly, everybody knows this Pacers team is bad. Everybody knows they're trying to lose games. So if you look at it from that regard, you're just saying, okay, they're not playing Brogdon because, A, he's too good, and they're trying to lose these games, and so they don't even want to have a chance at sniffing a victory if he does play. So, in fact, I think it actually helps with his stock and I think Carlisle continuing continuing to praise him uh, like he had been for that four to five game stretch he did play good in that stretch there's no doubt about it but it was just kind of weird how much he had like called him the best player the best defender the best this guards one through five I mean it was just over the top so you know does it come back this year I would highly doubt it I mean he's missed the last four games for rest and conditioning I mean come on now I mean we know Brogdon's got a long injury history but this is just kind of funny at this point so with Turner going out with what's Warren going on for the rest of the year. Obviously, Rubio, he's hurt. So I would just say put Brogdon on the shelf for the rest of the year because there's clearly no point in
2: playing him. We got to put Brogdon on the shelf like like those old toys in Toy Story. I mean, let him collect some dust right now. The season's done for him. It's got to be. But look, here's the thing. When you keep saying things like getting his conditioning up or rest, can you continuously – give a did not play coach's decision for rest for the rest of the year. It almost feels like you might need to like maybe throw him out there for like one or two games and then rest him I, I, I for the rest of the year. I think he shouldn't play the rest of the year because it could only impact the team negatively in terms of he could get hurt or maybe unfortunately we win. But at this point, I don't think it hurts his value at all because it's not even a, the best kept secret that we're tanking. It seems pretty known. Um, So I think at this point, shut him down. If you can't do that, give him a severe minute restriction. Obviously, no back-to-backs. Like, just make sure, put this guy in some bubble wrap because we cannot have anything happen to Brogdon right now.
1: No, I completely agree with that, Fachi. It's just at this point, we've got to move on and just keep taking an L after
2: an L. So So one last thing I'll say. In terms of that, has he become the Pacers, Ben Simmons? Totally different situations. Simmons, I think, did not want to play for the Sixers. And then whatever. I feel like the Pacers right now don't want Brogdon to play. I think they're very much, you know, resting him. I think if it was, you know, solely up to him, I think Brogdon would have returned to the court. You think he would have? I think he would have. I, I think at this point in a lost season, I mean, look what the Pacers are doing. They're, they're shutting guys down nightly, you know, for just – they're taking every precaution possible right
1: now. Right, 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 right. No, I get you. I get you. Um, well, let's let's move on here to our next question. This one comes from Dalton Hamilton. He said, if we get our pick uh, five through eight range and we keep Cleveland's pick, would you all prefer to package those picks to move them to the top three or four pick, or would you like to try to hit on both picks? I think if all works out uh, that way and had picks five and 18, I think we stay put and pick two prospects.
2: Okay. If anybody remembers the Pacers in pick 18, it has not been kind to us. We're talking TJ Leaf. We're talking Goga. I mean, it is a pure toss-up at pick 18. So if there was the opportunity to package, say, 5 and 18 and move up, I definitely want to do that because it feels like there's a limited amount of potential stars in this draft. Maybe it's just really like a top four, and then after that, you're looking at, you know, good starters – you know, rotational players from there. I would love to be able to do that. But here's the thing. How many teams really want to slide back? Because, you know, if you look at, say, like, you know, the the Rockets or someone, and you're talking about moving more than two spots, is the 18th pick really going to sell you on anything? I, I don't think so, especially a team like Houston that has a later pick. So if we have an opportunity to move up and get one potential bona fide star, that's what I want. Because we can't have too many draft picks on this team.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Fachi. I don't think if you get in that five-to-eight range and you have pick 18, that's going to be enough to get you up in three so. or four. And and like I mentioned, I, I talked about it before, and I said I really could see the Pacers trading their 2023 first-round pick to move up into the top four if they really feel good about it. But the more and more I think about it and the more we just talked about it, I don't see this team being <laughs> could great. Be <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. so yeah.
1: I I think 2024, 2024's first-round pick is definitely more up for grabs if the Pacers do want to move on because I mean I could see a team still taking that you know yeah unprotected course. 2024 first round pick who says the Pacers are good in two years anyway I mean they could be better but still there's a chance you're talking another lottery pick so it's uh it's interesting there I would say that if we could do it sure do it but it's not going to happen I don't think it's enough especially in this in this year's draft to to move up that far because it's clear there's a big cutoff from one through four I mean I, I think some people even have like a top two tier and then like a second tier that's like three, four. And then after that, it's like this long tier of like five through like 15. So honestly, for me, it's like, look, if we get in that five to eight range and we get pick 18, there are guys that I really like in this draft that could be had in that range. So honestly, like Fachi said, pick 18 is kind of a crab shoot here. Who knows what happens with Cleveland. They're currently in seventh. They have to make the playing. uh, they'd be in the play in tournament. They'd have to make the playoffs by beating Brooklyn right now. Which doesn't seem like a really good matchup for them. Um, actually, I think Charlotte's at eight, if I'm not mistaken, because they beat the uh, beat the Nets last night. But still, um, they could beat the they could beat the the Hornets. But I don't know if they beat the Nets, and I don't really trust them against the Hawks either, because the Hawks are just kind of one of those juggernaut teams. So you, you want the you want the Cavs to make the playoffs. You want to get that pick, and I think there's ways you can go about finding players that make a lot of sense. I think today on on if I'm not mistaken. Uh, on ESPN, they had the Pacers taken Mark Williams out of Duke with like the 17th or 18th pick. So, you know, that's a center from Duke who's played pretty well. They also had us taken, I believe, Jabari Smith, number three overall. So it's, um, it's interesting how they have that set up there on ESPN's mock draft. But overall, I, uh, I, I think at this point, we'll probably just keep both picks unless we land in the top four.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing. You I mean, you look at, at you know, OKC, they have so many first round picks. Why would they want to make a deal? Then you look yeah. at the Rockets, like I mentioned, they also have the Nets pick this year. So it's like, why would they be in a rush to slide down, you know, from three to five and, and pick up, you know, the 18th overall pick, which is, you know, really not much. I mean, it's good for a team like the Pacers, but for, for other teams when you're really trying to rebuild, it's not a major selling point. So I, I would rather move up if possible, but it's going to be hard unless you are willing to, just like you mentioned, dangle an unprotected first-round pick. And right now, I don't think the Pacers should be in position to do that unless you're significantly talking about moving into, I'd say, the top two.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless there's a guy they love and they're like, this is the guy, we need him. We feel like he is the future face of the franchise then just hold on to it. Don't don't force something that's not there. Don't force, don't rush the rebuild. Um,
2: just just be smart with it. So let's go to our next question, Faj. All right, just when you thought you were done with him, here comes Jeff Dunham. He's back. He said, how secure is Rick's job as the head coach? I hope very secure, but after three head coaches in three seasons, I'm not assuming anything.
1: Hey, Jeff, you know, that's not a bad thought. And I saw this question when you sent it in and I thought to myself, could Rick only be here for one year? Look, honestly, if Rick's not here next year, it's because Rick doesn't want to be here. It's not because the Pacers fired him. It's basically Rick realizing, hey, the writing's on the wall. This team's in rebuild mode. He said that he felt like this was a good fit whenever he had his introductory press conference. He said that he liked the roster. Clearly, he didn't like the roster because he was a major part of what got blown up. I think he likes Halliburton. He really likes Buddy Healed. He's talked about Turner pretty positively before and and quite a bit. Same for Isaiah Jackson. So I think he likes the roster now in the direction it's heading. So I would assume he's back and I wouldn't assume that he goes anywhere. But with him taking the last weekend off for personal reasons, letting Lloyd Pierce coach, I, I think that that question could have popped into some people's minds. But I think at this point, with the team losing, this gave Coach Pierce a chance to kind of like showcase himself out there once again, to get back on the market as a potential head coaching candidate. So, you know, just probably doing a guy a favor because he's on your coaching staff and you respect him and it's been a tough year. So that's all I would think that is. But, um, you know, I would say, like I said earlier, never say never, but I would be more shocked than not if Rick's not here
2: next year. Man, if making yourself valuable and losing by 30 and 40 in two games, that ain't going to help Lloyd. But no, no. I understand what you're saying there. Um, I think for Rick, look, his job is very secure. Uh, I think just like you mentioned, it would have to come down to him wanting to leave. And even then, it would kind of be like, really? The Pacers have given him probably more authority than, I don't know, any coach that I've seen in recent years for them. Um, He's been involved in draft decisions, trade decisions. I imagine he's probably involved in every decision. And I also feel like the organization cannot keep being on this treadmill of coaches where, you know, it's every year you're firing someone. Like they listened to the players on, on Nate McMillan. I feel like they thought, you know, Hey, maybe the ship has, has, you know, sailed and we got to move on. Nate Bjorkman. I think they made the right move there, but when it comes down to Rick, they made him like the top five highest paid in the league, essentially, you know, tore down the team to, to build what he wanted to be. And so I, I think at this point, yes, his job is very secure. I think even if they went through another year where it was rough, I think his job would be secure. I think you could hear some rumblings, but I think at this point, like the Pacers, this Carlisle and the ties to the Pacers, it runs deep. So his job yeah. let me let
1: me throw this out at you here, just got- a little bit devil's advocate. Number one, if Rick Carlisle decided that he did not want to be here any longer, Who do you think would be the best replacement for him, number one? And number two, do you think the Pacers would consider trading Rick Carlisle to a team if they were willing to – if there was a team that was heavily interested in, in bringing him on, similar to what we saw happen with Doc Rivers when he left Boston for the Clippers?
2: Interesting. I think if Rick didn't want to be here, he would be done coaching. I don't think there would be somewhere else that he would want to coach I think when he asked Mark Cuban everything that he wanted out, it was that because the Pacers were like that opportunity that he wanted to come back for. At this point, I mean, you know, I think this is where he wants to be uh, given his ties here. And, And if the Pacers were to replace him, man, I really don't know because how many different like routes can they go with? They went from leaving McMillan, which seemed like the safe consistent playoff coach to Nate Bjorkman, the the young unproven coach, to then back to the very safe, proven coach and Rick Carlisle. That do you think the Pacers would pivot back to the young up and coming coach? I think it might be too much of a risk for them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I there's one name that I think that I have still have in mind, and that's Terry Stotts, a guy that was heavily Definitely rumored. Yep, heavily rumored here has Indiana ties. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he was a good coach under Rick Carlisle as well, so has a lot of the same. Principles, same philosophies, but you know, look at what look at what Portland did when Terry Stotts was there. Like I know that they had some rough playoff exits, but he also had some incredible moments there and took them further into the playoffs than Rick Carlisle has since the last ten years. So, yep, uh, I think that's a fair case for him over Rick at that point. But you know, I mean, I just started out there, just see what you thought. Uh, obviously, I don't know what coaches could be on the move at the end of the season. Obviously, Sacramento. Um, which would just be hilarious if the Kings wanted to trade for Carlisle, but that was a bonus. Uh, I just can't see that, but no. I'm trying to think what other teams could be on the move in terms of looking for a new coach.
2: Um, oh, we've heard rumblings that Quinn Snyder could be looking to leave, but that's, yeah. you know, he's not going to be looking to leave to go to Indiana. Uh, if, it seems like he's leave, you know, looking to maybe go to the Spurs or the Lakers I've heard. Right.
1: Yeah. So let's say Quinn Snyder goes to the Spurs. Popovich retires, <laughs>
2: Okay, I don't you say. pop to Indiana. I like, no, on, no, pop yeah. retires, Carlisle
1: to the Jazz. I mean, they, I can see a, it,
2: they'd be a better team, you know. I, would he like but, Gobert? Uh, yeah, I mean, who, Carlisle throws some praise out, yeah, he he throws praise out, you know, all around. So I, I could see him complimenting a guy like Gobert, but at this point, look, it. it Go where I know we're going completely off, but like (laughs) at one point, Sam Cassell is going to be a head coach in this league. I I don't think the Pacers are we sure? (laughs) I mean, I've been the wedding mat for a while, but I just don't know. He's going to be a head coach, and I think he's going to be a good head coach. I just don't think the Pacers would would roll the dice on Sam Cassell. But that man is next up. He's been waiting a long time, and I think he's going to be good. How big of a how big of a X factor was Jason Kidd for the Lakers? I, I mean, they won a championship. Look at them now. They, they stink. And look, look and at the ma- Look at the, the math. look good. I know. <laughs> hey,
1: so, I'm not saying I'm not saying I agree with it because I know he got a lot of criticism, but I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously there's bigger issues than Russell Westbrook. Could yep. that be part of it? I don't know because Frank Vogel is labeled as a defensive coach, but he's always seemed to have good defensive coordinators with him. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Burke, number one, yep. and our defense didn't change a bit whenever he left and then, Jason Gidley's and look how good the Mavericks defense is and look at the Lakers. So, um, just throw it out there, but let's do one more question to wrap up this, uh, this part of the podcast. We'll come back and answer some more, but, uh, Michael Florence, I kind of threw that question out there because Michael Florence's question asked if Turner's coming back this season. Uh, no, he's not. It's already been reported. So, uh, we got these on Sunday. So that's probably why that happened, but Dalton James Chubb here, he said out of, um, out of all 400 episodes, What was your favorite moment? He said, my top two are recent, the one after we hired Rick and Alex Golden's reaction to when we took Duarte in the draft and he had a complete meltdown. Love the show, guys. Here's the 400 more.
2: (laughs) Well, definitely classics. I definitely remember, you know, when we got Duarte. I know I missed that episode, but I I know you definitely did have an epic reaction. And, you know, the, the people never forgot it, you know. That that moody train, I mean, you were the conductor. But uh, you know, um, also hiring Rick, I mean, yeah, that that was great. A big big day for the franchise. Hasn't paid off this year, but it it will, it will. Um, I would say for myself, I mean, interviewing Jermaine O'Neal was literally that that's my childhood idol. I mean, that is for anyone that's ever got to meet, let alone interview their favorite sports player ever. I mean, that's it was an unreal experience. Also having Kevin Pritchard on the show. Uh, was was really awesome because I felt like that was kind of like a our own personal press conference, you know? So yeah, those were definitely some of the better ones. But plus we've also had just a ton of great laughs and memories along the way.
1: Yeah, I know for sure. I would definitely say having Kevin Pritchard on last year, it was right before the Pacers played the Timberwolves. but did it on a Wednesday. Uh, he gave us like 45 minutes and it was just like something I did not expect. I thought it would be like a 15-minute conversation. He wouldn't give us too much time, but he said – no, take your time, fellas. You know I'm I'm happy to do it. And he actually kind of broke some news to us on there, talking yeah. about Karis Levert's injury and when he would come back. And then Jeremiah Johnson reached out to me for a quote on it, and I gave him one. And then he actually read it on the air. So I think that was like one of the most like surreal moments. Like I was, I was getting tweets that are like, "Bro, just Alex Golden got a shout out on <laughs> uh, Fox Sports Indiana back before it was even Bally," and I was like, "What?" And so I go back and look and it was just like, so bizarre. It was super, super cool uh, to have that moment, you know, getting Jermaine O'Neal though has to be in our top two because yeah, that's when we took off. Like we can, yeah, that's big. we can try and deny it all we want, but you know, like it's uh, we've put a lot of work into grow this podcast. There's no doubt about it. We've done a lot of work, but at the same time, like nobody really cared at all. until so we got someone on here that everybody cared about and that's Jermaine. And so we got Jermaine on the podcast uh Tyler Smith was still doing the show with us at full time at that point and we were doing maybe like one episode a week at the most I would say so it was kind of like one of those things where we were doing the episode but not like a ton we weren't super committed to it we just kind of enjoyed it but not to the extent that we enjoy it now and so getting Jermaine on the show was awesome which led to other players like Ron Artest and you know um we had Kiefer Sykes on which I know he's not at the same level but Dwayne David West David West Uh, Al Jefferson twice I think the Al Jefferson podcasts have been super fun so it's just opened up so many doors for us to get players on we had TJ McConnell on obviously as well so you know all those moments are really cool and I I, I appreciate you enjoying me having a a nervous breakdown there Dalton (laughs) because I wanted Moody so bad and I asked Rhett not to spoil it for me but he did and so then I had to see the Duarte stuff Mm -hmm. and I was just like so livid but looking back at it now uh I, I think I might have been right, Fachi. I think that the Pacers, knowing they were going into a rebuild this year, uh, wouldn't have probably taken
2: Duarte. Just... No, I think they definitely <laughs> thought they'd be more competitive. And honestly, Moses Moody has flashed at times when given you know ample playing time. He had a 30-point game a couple of weeks ago. Um, you Duarte, know also splash
1: that I like? Trey man. Trey man for OKC yep. has flashed. and I really liked him as well. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I think I had him in my top five for a while at pick 13.
2: Trey man has definitely taken off this month. I feel like he's, he's really been a, uh, you know, really good player. There's been a few other ones that, that have been real good. Like Bones Highland has been really good lately. Um, but Dwarf say the problem was is he started so hot and then fizzled off and injuries, obviously play a big factor in that. If he went reverse and was heating up now, we'd be thrilled. Instead, said right. we had Dwarf mania, you know, back in October
1: yeah, wear it off pretty quick. It's what happens when yeah. you get a guy that's just a college level season, but um, all right, Fachi, well, I can quit putting in a little uh, audio that you sent me of let's go Pacers and uh, get you to say it now, but before we do that, as we wrap up part one, tell the people where they can find us at on social media.
2: Absolutely. So on Twitter, you can find us at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden MBA. You can find me on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at patient talk. Find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. Find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace.
1: And if you're happy to be back talking about the Pacers, say these three words Let's go,
2: Pacers!